This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire Signature NHL Hockey Pod Podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host, as always, is AJ Scholes, and you can follow him at AJ Scholes24. That's AJSCHOLZ24. Off the top of today's show, we want to wish all of our listeners a very happy new year. It's the first show of 2019. Boy, that number's getting bigger and bigger and uh, too quick for my liking, I'll say that. Uh, things are happening too fast, it seems. I want to slow it all down and have a good time. <laughs> well, the NHL season is now approaching the halfway mark, and we have a good sense for the surprises and disappointments at the halfway point this season, uh, which we've covered off on a team-by-team basis in our last show. But today, we want to highlight surprises and disappointments on an individual basis. There's always so many players on each list, but that's the beauty of having the human element of fantasy hockey. Before we go there, though, I want to welcome AJ into this episode and wish you, my co-host, a happy new year as well. Your thoughts? Yeah, happy new year, Paul. Boy, you aren't kidding about time flying. I mean, I've got a uh, 20-month-old at home and just changing every day, so that really makes it go that much quicker. Um, You know, it seems like only yesterday, uh, you know, she wasn't even walking yet, but running climbing on everything so you know um but yeah looking ahead to a new year should be exciting uh always exciting to get to this point in the hockey season too where you know every game counts all season long but they they feel like they they count that much more when you get uh, into the back half of the year so definitely looking forward to it but uh as i do every week before we kick off the rest of the show just remind our listeners that uh if you have questions about your lineups fantasy hockey or just hockey in general you can tweet at us we'll try and answer those questions throughout the week uh as paul mentioned you can follow me at aj shoals 24 and you can follow paul the statsman at statsman 22 all right, so uh, let's highlight some of these situations around the league, partner. And we'll begin with Anaheim. Since we last talked, they are 1-4-2 and two in their last seven games. But uh, some good news on the first line, I'll say. We profiled Nick Ritchie as a player to watch, and he's been breaking out uh, of late with seven points in his last nine games. And with his size and desire to play a physical game, tough guy to oppose. So I'll call that a big surprise here. But a smaller one is Andre Case. The opposite winger on that top line. This guy's punching above his weight class, partner. A small surprise, if you will. 
with uh, 13 points in 12 December games. So it's the first line that we didn't uh, anticipate, but boy, the Ducks are flying behind them right now. And uh, otherwise, though, there's been a couple of other notorious uh, points to bring up in my mind. Brian Gibbons has been a complete flop after coming over from New Jersey. No points in 30 games played for a guy who showed some offensive upside in uh, in Jersey last year and uh, so he's not living up to the contract that he signed not a big dollar deal but expected more from him and uh, certainly the uh, guy who had his consecutive game streak uh, snapped uh, last season Andrew Colgano is also well off his normal scoring pace with only eight points in 41 games played so there's some positive and some negative here yeah, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised with two guys that I'll point out. Uh, Pontus Aberg, who you affectionately love to call Pointless Aberg. Um, you know, his numbers on the year are pretty decent, 19 points in 35 games. Uh, it's not unexpected for me, having watched him uh, in the in the minors here in Milwaukee. Now he is kind of slumping again. Uh, that, that moniker, as you have for him, might come up. He doesn't have any points in his last five games. Um, but hopefully that's just a mini slump for him. And then, uh, obviously Daniel Sprong, someone I'm very familiar with. Great to see him, uh, kind of getting an opportunity finally and, and making the most of it five points through 12 games. Again, a little bit of a slump right now. He's got just one goal and one assist in his last seven. Uh, but I think that's just kind of an adjustment period here. He's still being used on the power play, still seeing plenty of minutes. So I expect both these guys will get it going again here uh, sooner rather than later. And up next, the Desert Dogs in Arizona. They're three and four in our last seven games since we last spoke. Uh, Alex Galchenyuk is a guy that we thought we'd highlight periodically this year for good news and uh, he's providing some of late has seven points in his last five games that's probably his best streak of the season he's playing on the left side on the top line but on the whole year he's got only 18 points and uh, they need much more from him and uh, it just shed some light on, on the trade that they made in the offseason uh, sending Ty, uh, Ty Domi's son Max to Montreal and it's worked out very well for the Canadians in that regard on the blue line here uh, Alex Goligoski and uh, Larson they're underperforming as well so there's some there, uh, there's some uh, slack that needs to be pulled in on the back end. We're expecting more from this blue line offensively, and these two guys have to try and deliver it. Uh, team-wide scoring is effective, effectively still an issue here, and unfortunately that puts the spotlight on goaltending, but there's been some good news there too with the emergence of Aiden Hill. He's been a very pleasant surprise in goal, sporting a goals against average that's less than 2.5 per game and a save percentage that's upwards of 9 91.5% in 12 appearances now. So that's pretty good numbers for a goalie that wasn't even on the radar at the beginning of the season here. Yeah, absolutely. The one uh, kind of disappointing guy I have uh, is Vinny Hinestroza. I really thought, you know, he'd be able to do uh, better or, or at least as well as he did uh, in Chicago with the move to Arizona, seeing a little bit more play time. Now I did have that injury that kept him out, you know, for most of December. Um, so obviously that's, you know, a, a factor here, but you look at before and after that injury, uh, he doesn't have any goals in his last 14 games, just four assists over that stretch. And I really thought that this was a good move and opportunity for him and, and, and thought he could do more here. You know, you mentioned some of the blue lines, uh, underperforming Jakob Chicharin, I, I throw in there as well. Um, and then I am a little surprised that we haven't seen more of Calvin Picard since moving down to the desert. I, I thought obviously they're bringing him in to utilize him. Um, you know, part of that is to your point, Paul Aiden Hill has looked really good, but, uh, for my money, if I'm looking at this lineup right now, 
I'm going Hill, the starter, Picard as the backup, just to see what you have there. And then I'd get rid of Darcy Kemper. I mean, that's just how I, I would look at it right now. And then you make a decision once anti Ranta comes back. Yeah, and Ranta, they they just disclosed, partner, that he's probably lost for the season. I was watching the broadcast late last night, and they're writing him off. So it's going to be in the hands of the youngsters, it looks like, the rest of the way there. So a uh, good chance for them to audition. In Boston, uh, Patrice Bergeron's back in the lineup and not missing a beat. That's great news for the Bees. But in goal, there's a bit of a quandary here. Yaro Halak has been a huge surprise to me. Uh, the veteran has outplayed Tuka Rask, the presumptive starter here for many years, and continues to be uh, a challenge. And if, if it was day one of the playoffs today, I think that they would start Halak in the opening game. That's how good he's been. Consider a 228 goals against average, 92.8% save percentage in 28, 22 starts. Up front, uh, there's been some up, some down. I'm going to point out a couple of guys that have been a little disappointing. Certainly, Jake DeBrusque has 11 goals, but only three helpers on the year on a top six roll. they got to get more from him right across the board. And Ryan Donato is a guy. Last year in the playoffs, I thought this guy really impressed me, uh, AJ. But uh, he's nowhere near what he did in last season's cameo. And so the Bruins certainly hope that both these guys can pick up their games in the second half of the season. Yeah, definitely. I think for me, the biggest surprise, honestly, is uh, that the team is in third place still in the Atlantic Division with how injured they were for much of the year. You know, you mentioned Bergeron, McAvoy's back on IR. They had Chara out. They had Krug out. It seemed like uh, Kevin Miller was out. It seemed like pretty much everybody (laughs) on that blue line missed some time here. And so uh, for me, the fact that they've really been able to weather the storm, uh, you know, without some pieces, obviously a lot of that uh, falls on David Pasternak, who's having a phenomenal season, already has 50 points in 40 games. Uh, looks like at, at this pace, he'll hit 100, which uh, would be a career high for him. Uh, and so, yeah, everything, uh, you know, kind of falling on, on him in a lot of ways. But uh, other guys have picked it up. You know, Colby Caves, uh, somebody that we thought maybe would just be with the team for a little bit, uh, called up to fill in for Bergeron. He's kind of stuck around a little bit. Not producing a ton, but, you know, could be uh, a depth option on a couple of nights to, to give you a flyer. And in Buffalo, certainly they're concerned about the fact that their captain is out of lineup, uh, considered not to be a serious injury, but Eichel's out. So adjust your lineups accordingly if you've got him in there. One, six, one four and one is the record in the last six games. They're kind of falling off their early season pace a little bit. Uh, tough to stay in the pack there in the Atlantic Division. You mentioned the Bruins, uh, but the Sabres have been right there too. Skinner is on pace for a career best season. This guy's a pending UFA. He's going to get paid handsomely next season, uh, in the offseason rather. And uh, I wonder if the Sabres have the ability to keep him in their lineup. In the Nets, the tandem of Carter Hutton and Linus Allmark has been solid. Uh, I'm pretty impressed. I'm surprised actually how, how good that pairing has been. Uh, in terms of a disappointment here though, AJ, Kyle Pozo, only 16 points. This guy's got a $6 million cap hit. And boy, the management's got to be looking at him sideways because he's on they're on the hook for that for the next four years and they want to see more out of the big right winger. Yeah, my disappointments are uh, start with Casey Middlestat. You know, obviously he's in uh, really his first full season. He did play six games last year, but but this is really his rookie campaign. Uh, and he's got just 11 points to show for it uh, so far. Has just one assist in the last eight games, slumping really hard uh, right now. And so, yeah, that's kind of my biggest one. I do also am a little disappointed in Rasmus Dahlin. I mean, with everything we were supposed to see out of him, uh, it started to materialize a little bit, kind of mid-December, but again, just one goal uh, in his last six games. So both these guys 
really struggling, uh, you know, to produce, I think, to the level that we expected, especially out the gates. Now, like I said, Darlene is starting to turn it around, starting to figure it out. My surprise uh, for this team was Jason Pominville. Uh, obviously, that's kind of hit a slump a little bit as well. You know, he's pointless uh, through uh, a whole mess of games, actually, yeah. <laughs> uh, through his last 13. But when playing with Eichel, He's done really well. I'm surprised they're not utilizing that option more uh, to kind of spread things out. But uh, I was definitely surprised to see what he's capable of doing uh, when paired up with their all-star captain. You know, that's a bit of a harsh take on Darlene, but I get it, AJ. This guy was the number one draft pick, and and everybody thought, oh, he's going to light the league up. But people forget defense is probably the hardest position to jump from the juniors to uh, the NHL. And the guy's on pace for 40 points, so that's a... If he keeps that up, uh, I think that's a pretty decent uh, start to his career. It's going to be a great one for sure. In Calgary, this team is 2-2-2 in their last uh, six games, but they're right there among the Western leaders, and it's largely on the back of David Redditch. He's risen up to challenge Mike Smith and is one of the most added players in fantasy hockey as a result these days. It's a goaltending battle. The newcomer is winning right now, but it's a nice problem for them to have because uh, most teams don't have even one guy that's playing as solid as either of these two have shown at different times this season up front James Neal finally notched his fourth goal of the season but hey it's the 40 game mark this guy has to be at the top of the list in terms of disappointments here and uh, Elias Lindholm has had a career pace in the first uh, first year with the Flames this guy's playing better than a point per game clip and fit in very nicely uh, fulfilling my sidekick theory in spades uh, when we highlighted this in preseason and he's held on to the role on that top line with Gaudreau and Monaghan so good for him I don't know if you call it a surprise necessarily, um, but Matthew Tuchuk has lived up to expectations this year. Uh, Last two seasons, 48 points, 49 points, respectively. He's already at 47 this year, so he's definitely going to set a career high this season. Should be back over the 20-goal mark. Might even push for 30, maybe 40. Um, And so really has performed, I think, up to expectations, but it's nice to see him actually getting there. My disappointment on the flip side is is Dylan Dube. You know, I had higher expectations for him. Again, a rookie coming out, you do have to give him a little bit of leeway. I understand that. Um, But I think uh, I saw him to your sidekick theory filling in as like a third line center pretty consistently, maybe even pushing Michael Backlund occasionally to kind of flip that spot. Instead, we're seeing him kicked over to the wing playing on the fourth line. And and really, I just don't think uh, everything's coming together quite yet for him. I don't think. You know, if I'm in a a dynasty league, I'm definitely not dropping him. I'm not suggesting that by any means. Um, But I I do think I had a little bit higher expectations for him coming into the season. And in Carolina, this team is two and four in the last week and a half. Jordan Stahl now still day to day with an upper body injury. They need him back in the lineup because center has been a little bit thin. One of the reasons why Victor Rask, only two points in 18 games played. He's got to be one of the bigger disappointments here, no question, because I expected a big rangy forward with his, his skill to be tempting uh, fate with around a point, point per game in terms of productivity. Uh, the talent on the, coll- the collective decor is not showing up on the score sheet. This is supposed to be one of the best young defense groups in the league, but really not putting it together offensively. So another disappointment there. There's been goaltending issues galore here. Darling, of course, has been a flop, so it leaves room for backups to rise, and they really haven't to, to the point where this team needs them to be. But on the plus side, 
Zvechnikov, another hotshot rookie that we've talked about from time to time. He's probably having his best stretch of the year, getting acclimatized to the big leagues. Five goals, one assist in his last nine games. Yeah, you talked about the the blue line struggles here. And, and for me, it starts and stops with Dougie Hamilton. I mean, this is a guy... 42, 43, and 50, uh, 44 last year. At this pace, he's going to struggle to hit 20 points uh, since moving to Carolina. And it really, I don't think it's all on him. I don't know that he's really found a, a good partner to handle the defensive side of the puck well enough for him to get up in the play like he's used to. Um, but yeah, for me, that's kind of the biggest disappointment here. Uh, aside, obviously, from from Darling, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there as being a complete, you know, bust uh, for this team at this point. And you have to wonder. I know his numbers in Chicago haven't been great, but you kind of have to wonder if they wish they still had Cam Ward at this point. No question. And speaking of the Hawks, they're five and two in their last seven games. Colin Delia has been a bit of a surprise in the Nets. He's the most one of the most added guys here in the league up 16 percent over the past week and uh, Dylan Strom is up nine percent fitting in very nicely as a second line center Corey Crawford's concussion issues and poor play have doomed this Hawks season though you can't have your presumptive number one starter flame out like this poor guy has and it's really uh, the head injuries have been front and center there that has taken this season down for him and very likely uh, the rest of the team here on the blue line Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook are fighting a losing battle to advancing years and having logged so many miles in their career. They're just not putting up the points that we've seen from them in the past, and that's hurt this offense big time because they derive a lot of it from those two players on the blue line. They uh, have hit pay dirt in searching for the top, uh, the second-line center, though. It's Strom, and I think you can point to three multi-point games in the last week that uh, highlight the fact that this guy is in a good place and a low-pressure situation behind Jonathan Taves in the two-slot, and... Uh, I think at least they found one answer here. I agree. I, I like that move, uh, if only because it frees up Anisimov to play on the wing. Uh, and I think he's better suited to be there. You know, they put him in uh, at that center position before, and I really don't think it, it suits his strengths necessarily. Uh, the only downside I see from that is that it's pushing Alex Dabrinkat into a third-line role. Now, so far, it doesn't seem to have affected him that much. Uh, he's got seven points in his last six games and, and seems to still be doing well. But obviously, the concern there is that uh, his numbers will drop off not playing uh, with Kane. Uh, but Brandon Saad has been a, a kind of a bust for them as well when you think about what they were hoping to get back um, compared to his numbers in Columbus and his numbers the first time he was in Chicago. Uh, only hit 35 points last year. He's sitting at 22 this year, so maybe he hits that 40 mark uh, again. But they were, I think, definitely hoping for closer to 50, maybe even pushing 60, uh, having him on that top line. And, and really, it hasn't happened yet. In Colorado, this team is sitting with a 19-13-8 record. They're only 1-4-2 and two in their last seven games. And the, the goaltending is something that I, I think is a bit of a disappointment. In fact, the whole defensive structure is they've got a great offense from that top line, but not much going on behind them. And I expected more from the Varley Grubauer goalie tandem for sure. So we'll see what Grubauer can do in the next little while, as probably he had, handles most of the load while Varlamov gets healthy. But uh, on the plus side, hands up to all our listeners out there. Who thought Miko Rantanen was going to be among the NHL's leading scorers at this stage? Yeah, I mean, that 
That is a good point. That top line really uh, has been continuing to produce despite uh, the lack of any sort of help uh, on the back end, which is why those guys are still atop the the scoring race. Yet the team seems to be in a bit of a tailspin right now. As far as disappointment goes, uh, can I just say lines two through four as my (laughs) disappointment? Like really, there just hasn't been anybody who's really stepped up uh, to produce additional, you know, points there you've got uh, you've got Yost finally got two goals on January 2nd that ended a uh, let's look a 16 game uh, goal drought for him uh, Kerfoot hasn't done much better uh, same with with Confier and and the rest of the way down so really uh, my disappointment for this group is pretty much everybody and then I'll highlight Sven Andrigetto as well uh, basically serving as a healthy scratch periodically because his numbers have been so bad this is a guy that in a lot of ways I think was expected to be that second line uh, option or even to s- slot up to the first line in order to spread out, you know, Landeskog or, or Rantanen and, and give them more scoring lines. But his disappointing uh, season continues, and that has really forced them to keep that first line all condensed and all their scoring with one group. Um, in Columbus, I want to highlight a couple of things. First, on, on the defense, Seth Jones has been a real uh, – stud back there this guy can play the game anywhere you like he's uh, solid in his own end tough as nails and he's got a bit of an offensive flair too so they really found a gem there that they can build their blue line around that's probably the most positive note in in this team but there's some negatives here that i didn't expect uh wenberg jenner and dubinsky you mentioned depth at center in colorado was an issue well it is in columbus but i'm surprised because these are three guys that have have underperformed big time at the center position and that's hampered this offense a little bit in the nets bobrovsky's goals against is also as high as it's ever been uh, in his time in uh, in columbus and uh, it doesn't help matters that rumors of uh, panarin's desire to bold as a pending free agent is a looming concern and i'll finish off with something that we want to all wish uh, nick felino the best outcome possible he's got a child dealing with a sensitive surgery surgery situation our thoughts are with him and his family absolutely uh you know i echo uh that sentiment there uh in terms of you know kind of ups and downs here um you know zach Wierenski started off you know had a bit of a, a difficult start to the month of december but he seemed to kind of rediscovered his game he's got points in his last five games uh four of those being goals and so he's really uh starting to you know, get to the point where we expected him to be. So that's really good to see in terms of, you know, for your blue jackets fans out there, uh, Anthony Duclair kind of, uh, as we've highlighted, you know, last go around here, he's been a healthy scratch periodically. His last points came November 15th. Uh, so he hasn't done much for them lately. And so I don't know if you can call it a disappointment because we weren't exactly high on what he was going to add to the team in the first place. Um, but definitely not getting it done. And, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens to him after this season. And in Dallas, there, we're going to save a little bit of the talk here for the end, near the end of our show in the rant. I'll te- tease that. But uh, on the positive side, they have to be thrilled that John Klingberg is back in the lineup. They treaded water very nicely while he was away. And uh, their record of 4-2-1 and one in the last seven games is uh, symptomatic of that. In the last five games, he's been back and he's got a couple of points and solidified the back end that's a key player that they lean on heavily here and you got to love the fact that ben bishop has quietly put together another strong season uh, i think that's a very positive outcome 2.28 goals against average all the more impressive in light of all the injuries they suffered on the back end and on the downside i was hoping that uh, jason spezza could 
for the sake of Dallas fans, deliver as a second-line center, but they really have a vacancy back there because the veteran is just showing there might not be much left in the tank here. Uh, um, and then another negative development, Matthias Janmark. This guy has been a solid secondary scorer playing top six minutes in the past and even sometimes this year, but he's only got three goals in 40 games this season. That has to be another disappointment in the Lone Star State. Well, I'll talk exclusively blue line here uh, in terms of ups and downs. Essa Lindell, I think, has been uh, really kind of a standout performer for them. And it's not all in scoring, although he certainly has done okay there. He's got 17 points through 41 games. He's on pace to set a career high there. Uh, But you look at his ice time playing over uh, two and a half more minutes this season than he did last year. Uh, and so really has stepped up to be a big contributor with Klingberg having been out for a long time. Stefan John still hasn't played at all. And I would echo that with uh, Miro Heiskanen as well. I think uh, he's another player that, you know, is going to have his ups and downs, uh, going to hit slumps here periodically, but 19 points through 41 games as a rookie, I, I don't think is too too shabby for for a player of his caliber so uh impressed with kind of those guys obviously the disappointment is the injuries with Mathot missing uh, most of the season now Stefan Johns hasn't played yet and it's really tough to evaluate the rest of the team without those key guys on the back end in Detroit uh, this team's won four and two in their last seven games probably one of the worst stretches of the year but a friend of the show Jimmy Devilano senior VP there he was looking for players to emerge when he talked at the beginning of the year, and uh, Dylan Larkin certainly has filled the role as a new, fulfilled the role as a new leader here. This guy's on pace for a career-type season with 39 points in 41 games played. Injuries to veteran blue lines certainly cost this club. I think that's a downer here, so you really can't fault them for their play on the ice, but the fact that they're banged up has been... Uh, has been a bit of an issue and they've actually been more competitive as a team than I thought here and credit for much of that in my mind goes to the goaltending tandem a wise move to have veterans back there in the early stages of this rebuild Jimmy Howard will be trade bait at the deadline and I wonder if Jonathan Bernier won't be far behind well I gotta disagree with you on Jonathan Bernier there I mean I I would not want him traded to to my favorite team if if I were a fan uh, of any of the other franchises out there. You look at his recent numbers, uh, one, four, and two with a 3.82 goals against average in his last seven games. So I do think they've done a lot better than I think a lot of people have expected. And I do think that's because of goaltending, but I think it's Jimmy Howard. And you're given too much credit if you're going to throw Jonathan Bernier in there as well. So uh, I put Bernier in my disappointment category here. And yeah, I think uh, you were dead on there with Dylan Larkin kind of being the breakout guy here. Uh, Franz Nielsen uh, has done okay uh, for for a player of his, uh, you know, advanced uh, years, as it were, uh, 24 points through 38 games. It's interesting to see him playing in, in a second line center role. I think maybe they had that teed up for for a couple different guys that they thought would break out a little bit for them. But, uh, you know, he's held off any challenges from some of those youngsters. And uh, the Oilers snapped an ugly six-game losing streak last night in the desert, but uh, Chason uh, is uh, one of the disappointments here. He's da- the, his ownership's down 6%. Yamamoto's up to f- dealing with up one game, and he's already dealing with an upper body injury. Lucic moving to the top six role doesn't make any sense. This guy, for me, has been one of the big disappointments here uh, in Edmonton. Stuck on one goal through the season. They're paying a lot of money for this guy to do more than score one goal. I know he adds a lot of toughness and give this team a backbone, but $6 million is, is not uh, a price tag you pay for what he's done overall. 
adding they added more toughness in the past week but hopefully some also some decent decent depth on the blue line with Petrovic and Manning joining the club in a pair of minor deals I like those moves to shore up the back end because that's been an area of concern here for a while up front uh, another guy that's been a bit of a disappointment is Yeshi Puyuyarvi he's looking like an overrated first round draft pick now in his third season as a pro only five points in 28 games played for the oil yeah, so I, I pulled up some numbers from our friends over at Cat Friendly because, you know, I wanted to get that for you. Uh, you look at Milan Lucic's production. Uh, you mentioned a $6 million cap hit with just a one goal. Uh, the math isn't hard there. That's $6 million a goal they're paying him. <laughs> if you extend that out to his points uh, that he has on the season, they're paying him $750,000 a point right now uh, with his eight points and that $6 million cap hit. So that's a pretty expensive price tag uh, for not a lot of production. Uh, my other kind of disappointment here is is honestly Jason Garrison, who uh, they traded to Chicago, and then he decided he wasn't going to report to the AHL, and so they let him go. Uh, I really thought he could break in. Uh, on this blue line and, and thought he could contribute on this team, especially with Clefbaum and Sakara both uh, sidelined here. And, and it really hasn't happened. So, uh, yes, Milan Lucic, a big disappointment, obviously. Uh, but for me, Jason Garrison as well. And maybe you got to put uh, somebody in the positive carry category. That might be Miko Koskinen in goal. He's really salvaged things because Cam Talbot really hasn't figured things out this season. So a tip of the hat to Koskinen, a veteran goalie who came from nowhere to kind of uh, bolster the, the net mining situation. I'll say that in closing there. In Florida, Bugstad with an upper body injury continues his disappointing campaign. I, I was high on this guy in the past and really not delivering the goods, struggling to stay healthy. And even when he is, he's a third line player. So expected much more from him. Team defense is a huge issue here, despite plenty of high end talent throughout. Up front, uh, you can blame a trickle down effect, though, on their struggles with Vincent Trocek missing 20 games as a second line center due to injury, along with Bugstead's struggles. That's two top six guys they were counting on and puts a lot, pre- lot of pressure on the top line. And you can see that they're really using these guys like uh, thoroughbred horses. And a lot, most of them are playing over th- 20 minutes a game. Not many forwards are doing that around the league, partner. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think, you know, you look at uh, kind of the rest of their centers, you've got Henrik Borgstrom, Jared McCann, Yuho uh, Laminko. And I really think, you know, Derek McKenzie is a factor here as well. He would have been in that list, uh, possibly third or or fourth line center if, if he wasn't injured as well. So really a banged up team. Now, the one kind of positive for them so far has been Mike Hoffman this season, who's really transitioned well in his move out from Ottawa, 18 points through 38 games, or I'm sorry, 36 points, 18 goals, 18 assists through 38 games. And he's on pace to hit that 50 point mark again, uh, definitely will push for 60. Uh, and so they're, they're getting some good production out of him. Unfortunately, you know, the rest of that line, we talked about the lack of center depth, Frank Vitrano uh, hasn't done a ton uh, for most of the season. Now, again, another guy that's starting to figure it out a little bit with five points in his last seven games. But I think uh, there was more expected out of him as well uh, when they brought him down from Boston. And Los Angeles Kings are probably playing their best hockey of the year with five wins and two losses in their last seven games. But Ilya Kovalchuk, the experiment there not working out as he's not even playing top six minutes. They didn't sign him via depth forward here. So that's a bit of a letdown. Uh, Drew Doughty 
must be wondering about his decision to lock himself in here for long term. His shots on goal and per shooting for scoring percentage are both down relative to his career norms. On the plus side, Jonathan Quick has four wins in his last five starts. This guy is the heartbeat of this team. Missed a large chunk of games, and I think he could be uh, a key to them being a real tough out the rest of the season. He brings a ton of stability back there, a team leader, and I think this is going to be a tough out the rest of the way for opponents of Los Angeles Kings. Well, one guy who always uh, headlines seemingly the uh, high cost per point uh, is Dion Phaneuf, and I think it doesn't point scoring doesn't you know suit his game, but he's got one assist for seven million dollars this season, uh, and we've talked about that contract being a, a complete disaster in the past. You know, you're paying a guy to produce like Eric Carlson, and and he simply just hasn't been capable of doing that the last couple of years. Uh, and so, again, highlight him as, as a disappointment. I, I understand he had some injuries, missed some games, but he has played in 34 of them, and he's a minus 19 right now. So uh, clearly more of a detriment to this team, in my mind, uh, than a, than a you know, benefit for them. Uh, on the plus side, you know, I think it's between the nets, and, and you've got Jonathan Quick. Uh, healthy and, and performing well again. They've got Jack Campbell back, who was a surprise uh, when when he was filling in in that role. And so to have him ready to go, I mean, you saw what he did New Year's Day with 46 saves on 47 shots uh, and got saddled with a loss uh, in that one. Just simply couldn't rely on his offense there. So, uh, you know, some good things happening there. You have to wonder, you know, Quick's, uh, you know, Quick's 32 years old, so I don't think he's going to be ready to, to hang him up anytime soon. So does that make Jack Campbell uh, a trade option, you know, in the offseason or do they try and hold on to him long term until quick goes? Uh, it'll be interest, another interesting situation to watch. In Minnesota, Matt Dumba is the most one of the most dropped players in the league dealing with an injury, a torn pectoral muscle. He'll be out until late March, and that's a big blow for the back end here. His exit com coincides with the club's worst stretch of the season. They're 1-4-1 in their last six games. Not too many people are noticing this, but I will point it out. Eric Stahl's points-per-game production is down over uh, this season, the first sign of slippage in his time with Minnesota over the last three and a half years, in fact. So that's something of a bit of a concern when one of your top two pivots is, is down the way he is from what they expect. But... Uh, you can say similarly for Nino Niederreiter, we've expected much more from this guy, but uh, he's lost his top six minutes for a long time now and just not delivering the goods. It's too bad because I, th I think this guy has a lot more to give than he's shown. On the plus side, though, Zach Parise has quietly re-emerged as one of the, the faces of this franchise in terms of his ability to produce points. His, his production is back up to where we used to see it a few years ago when he was uh, awarded that handsome contract that he's been living off of for a while in Minnesota. Now he's starting to play up to it again, and that's great news for the Wild. Yeah, absolutely. And and one kind of nice uh, nice thing to see, uh, pleasant surprise here, is, is Mikael Granlin. You know, a lot of times when guys hit some pretty bad scoring slumps, or, or goal slumps rather, they, they struggle to produce assists as well. But he's still got 13 assists in his last 13 games despite not having any goals over that stretch. Uh, his shots uh, over, you know, during that time are 25. So just under two per game. You would like to see that a little bit higher. But overall, 
know, it's nice to see a guy kind of power through and find other ways to help the team. He's still got 37 points on and 38 games and should hit that 60 mark for the third consecutive year. If he continues at this rate, uh, kind of disappointments, you know, uh, another, I know I kind of point out the young guys, but you know, I do tend to have high expectations for a lot of them. Uh, Jordan Greenway, 11 points through 37 games. Um, but you know, has struggled a little bit of late, just two in his last 11. And so I'd like to see him start to get going as well. Uh, and then, yeah, you pointed out with Dumba out, it's going to be, uh, you know, kind of, a. a rotating group you'll have Sutter and Spurgeon uh in the top and then we'll go from there and, and see what these guys can do and in Montreal we have to look at the other half of that trade with Arizona and say that Max Domi certainly lived up to the expectations that were built around his arrival there playing for a team where hockey really matters and it's shown that it's that's coursing through his uh, bloodstream too he's delivered the goods offensively hit a bit of a snag the last little while but uh, it certainly has helped him to have a guy like Andrew Shaw around too this guy has been kind of the heartbeat of the club uh, in terms of giving them that backbone but he's right now sidelined with an upper body injury and the Hab fans have to hope that it's not a long-term thing it doesn't appear to be but uh, those two players have been really positive uh, influences here also you got to credit Shea Weber for his outstanding level of play since starting his season only 16 games ago after coming back from a pretty serious injury he's got 11 points and a plus seven while playing his usual big minutes only the only way he can with toughness and physicality and leadership galore can you hear that Willie Nylander just an aside there <laughs> waiting for you to tur- turn things around in Toronto I gotta get that in a nagging lower body injury to the goalie Carey Price in a troubled season for the goalie hangs like a cloud over this club though because uh, let's face it he's the signature player here and they'll only go as far as he can take them he may be ready to play on Saturday but uh, it looks like he's not going to be in there in tonight's game people are holding their breath for his health to really turn around and get better uh he he is the key to the, what happens in Montreal. Absolutely, and and so uh, a lot of that starts with the guys in front of him. You know, you talked about Shea Weber starting to figure it out. Uh, the the down one for me is is Carl Alsner, who's really uh, struggling to even break into the lineup. He's been a healthy scratch more often than not. Has played just eight games this year. That's insane for a guy who played every single game from two thousand and nine from the two thousand nine ten season all the way through last year played every single game 82 games a season 48 uh during the lockout shortened year and now has just uh gotten in the lineup in for just eight games this year uh clearly uh not jiving well uh with you know either the coaching staff or, or something else uh is is the red flag there and so really disappointing uh to see for him you know we you again you talked about the the you know, the Dome trade. And I think he's been solid. Another guy that is kind of slumping for goals right now, but has uh, still six assists during that 10 game drought. Uh, Pucks on net is, is right there too. And so uh, trying to work his way through it and and really uh, proving kind of his medal right now with, with his new team. Yeah, and one guy that's proving his medal of late for Nashville, well, on the season really, is Ryan Johansson. This guy's starting to look like an offensive pivot he, that they really need here, a playmaker to get the puck to their productive wingers, and he's done that with 28 assists. They'd like to get a few more, few more goals out of him, but they're pretty happy with a points pace that is uh, probably going to be near his career best totals. Uh, the injuries is where it's at, the news for Nashville. This is a team that's only 2-5-1 in their last eight games. They did get P.K. Subban back, but he hasn't done much since his 
four, in his first four games. Don't fret. This guy is still an all-star, folks. And that is going to change very soon, I, I do believe. Uh, they also clearly miss Philip Forsberg up front. He's not yet ready to play with his mates. And in his place, Ryan Hartman is a bit of a disappointment for me. When you get an opportunity to play first-line minutes, you've got to do more than what this guy's done. But uh, really, you've got to say the same thing. For Yarncroc in place of Kyle Touris at uh, the second center position, scoring's been a bit of a problem here while some of the stars have been out, and uh, that would happen with any team. So when you're going as well as they are, you have to point out the little things here that are kind of holding them back a little bit. But when they get healthy, they're going to be a, one of the premier teams in the league for sure. Well, one guy they did get back is uh, Victor Arvison, who returned from that extended absence. Took him a few games to get going, but he's got four points in his last two uh, contests, giving him 16 points in, or 17 points in 17 games. And so they are getting him back, and I think that's really going to help. Uh, and maybe you know having Arvison Johansson. Uh, together will kind of pull Ryan Hartman up, but I, I certainly agree with with your assessment there. You know, we've talked about you know Kevin Fiala being a bit of a disappointment and, and him dropping out, you know, down to the fourth line periodically. That's another guy that's starting to get it going again. Five points in his last three, and so maybe uh, you see him flip for Hartman at, at some point to try and uh, change things up. Uh, obviously, everything changes when they get Forsberg or Turris. Uh, back uh, in the lineup but uh, there's definitely some positives there and as you said really for this club we're, we're nitpicking at the, the the minor details yeah in New Jersey you know what we talk a lot, a lot about goalie situation here this one's changed dramatically with the arrival of Mackenzie Blackwood he's the most added player in the NHL fantasy world up 34 percent his ownership in the past week he came into the NHL in six games and last six games have been outstanding Got a couple of shutouts already under his belt. Took a bit of a backward step last night, though, giving up five and a loss. But uh, certainly a guy that uh, people that are looking for goalies could do worse than plugging him in right now. Missing Taylor Hall and uh, Marcus Johansson. That's two top six forwards out of the lineup here. Hall should be back very soon, but no team's going to thrive that way. Uh, Brett... uh, Brat, Wood, and Zaka, three young forwards here are a disappointment for me, AJ. Uh, I thought that they could do a lot better than 13 goals to date. They're expecting more from their talented youth here, uh, but these guys seem to have taken a, but not even a sideward step, sideways step. It's a much a much more a backward step here. In terms of positives, you know it if you listen to this show that I, I'm a big fan of David Severson's development as an offensive defenseman. He seems to be the signature guy at the back end right now and on pace for a 40-point season. Not many people projected that other than yours truly. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with Zaka for sure. Uh, uh, he was definitely one that that I was going to highlight here. Um, again, starting to maybe figure it out a little bit three goals in his last six games plus an assist there uh and that followed a pretty lengthy stretch without any any points and so uh maybe starting to get there but again only time will tell to see if he can turn this into an extended uh you know run of run of form uh i've been pleasantly surprised with with will butcher given uh that his minutes uh, are still pretty low for a defenseman all things considered but they are starting to creep up uh, he is averaging just under 19 minutes a game, which uh, if you're going to be kind of a, a, a signature guy like he's supposed to be and, and projected to be, you'd like to see that pushing a, a little closer to 2021. But I think he'll get there. has 14 points in the 38 games, so could be a little bit better. But I, I think he's trending in the right direction and, and happy to see uh, what he's been able to do on the ice this year. 
And we turn our attention to the New York Islanders. They're on a pretty good streak, 6-1 and one in their last seven games. Robin Leonard, four straight wins under his belt. I know you've been a big fan of his all season. He only gave up two goals in that span, so playing very, very well. He's among the top guys getting picked up in fantasy, up 16% over last week. And uh, in front of him, Ryan Pollock, up 7%. This is a guy I have a lot of time for. He's emerged as uh, their go-to defenseman on the blue line, replacing a struggling Nick Letty. So there's one up and one down on the back end there. Uh, Val Filipola is dealing with upper body injury, but this guy's been a useful player here and can play up and down the lineup. I think he's been a positive development here. This, they've also been without Andrew Ladd and Jordan Leberly for long stretches and still one of the hottest teams in the league. So when they get, if they get at least one of those guys back, they'll get Everly back soon. Ladd may be out a little while longer. But uh, again, a team that will be a tough, uh, tough out. On the downside, I don't like the fact that they've gotten Josh Hosang, the first-line right-wing role. He hasn't earned it, in my mind, uh, showing nothing, very very little to date, yet he's getting top six minutes here. Maybe it's by default, I don't know, but this guy has had a checkered pass, to say the least, and really uh, not doing anything to earn that spot right now. And he has to deliver, because he may be running out of time to prove himself in this league. Another guy who's proved himself but struggled a little bit earlier on this season in his second year is Matthew Barzal. He has seven of his ten goals in the last seven games played, so uh, maybe the offense uh, has turned here, and they need this guy to perform at a high level to stay competitive. And uh, so there's some up, some down on the island, and and really overall, though, they're, they're playing much better than I thought they would. Well, I actually don't hate the Josh Hosang being on the top line uh, assignment. And, and here's why. I think it's that second line, uh, the, the triple B line, if you will, uh, of Bailey, Barzell, and Bolivier. I, I think those guys need to stay together. I think they're working really well. Um, so it's either Hosang, uh, Hosang rather, or Komarov. You're not putting Cal Clutterbuck up there. Uh, and so I actually don't mind it with Everly out kind of, you know, see what you have, see what, if he can live up to the opportunity that's being presented to him. Uh, and so I, I don't mind it. Uh, we'll see whether he can, he can handle that responsibility. I, I'm not sure that he will. Uh, I, I don't totally expect him to, to stick there long-term. Obviously once Everly's back, he's, he'll be off there for sure. But, um, yeah, I, I don't hate that move actually. In, okay, so we'll agree to disagree there. In New York with the Rangers, this team is 3-1-2 and two in their last six games. Kevin Hayes' uh, ownership is up in a big way, up 12% week-to-week in fantasy. Ten points in his last seven games. Uh, I think he's one of the big surprises here. But they've got a lot of youngsters who have turned some heads. On the blue line, I like uh, Neil Pionk has come through as the... the uh, quarterback on the power play looked very sharp when he when he came to town against the Leafs a couple of weeks ago and uh, just continues to play at that high level he and Brady Shea give some hope for the future on the back end but on the downside boy Kevin Shattenkirk we've beaten this guy up but we've had reason to he's been a huge disappointment not living up to his salary you mentioned Fanuf and his uh, high price Shattenkirk is right down right down there with him uh I, I thought, you know, we were right on when we had a buyer beware sign on him at last year's trade deadline, and that's a bingo for us, partner. Yeah, I, you're definitely on point there. Uh, I do want to point out uh, to our listeners that uh, next time you see Pittsburgh playing the Rangers, you probably want to stack Pittsburgh, especially if Henrik Lundqvist is going to be in goal. He's lost eight straight games against uh, my my pens. So uh, probably worth taking a look at at them when those teams match up. Got shelled again for six. 
uh, last night before getting the hook. And so, uh, but overall, I think it's been a decent season for, for King Henrik, especially uh, considering what he has to work with in front of him. You know, we talked about this team being in a retooling uh, rather than a rebuild. Uh, another kind of disappointing uh, player is, is Ben Jimmy VC who got scratched last night uh, due to, you know, some concerns about his play on the ice. I think that's more of a, a defensive concerns. You know, I'm obviously not, uh, not there at practice every day. I'm not the coach, um, but eight points in 12 games. And then he gets scratched. I, I, I think you're, you're clearly talking about some problems on the, the back half of the ice there. And so uh, he's got to turn that around if he wants to play. And clearly uh, there, there's no hesitation there by the powers that be to, to sit him on the bench. In Ottawa, this team has hit the skids finally. They've been kind of treading water, but they're 1-5 in their last six games before last night's action. They picked up Anders Nilsson from Vancouver in a swap of goalies. He's going to get some reps here with Craig Anderson on the sidelines, and so keep an eye on the goalie mix if you're strapped here. Nilsson could be the guy in Ottawa for a little bit. Up front, Chris Tierney's proven to be a decent playmaker with 20 assists to date and is the new number one center here. Uh, he's only got four goals, though, and, and really uh, they're hoping for the playmaking to continue to spark the wingers there and hoping that he can shut things down in a defensive role on that unit, I suppose. Um, Colin White is a, in a good spot as a right wing number two uh, on a line with Matt Duchesne. I think that's a large part of why uh, Tierney's on the first line. That The partnership here that Duchesne has on the second line is something that they, they have really hit on, and they don't want to mess that up. Yeah, I, I like that uh, that combination as well, and and I think uh, you know Dzingel on the other side I, I think could work, but that's one that's kind of traded, uh, moved around a little bit. Uh, Brady to Chuck, not to talk about both to Chuck kids in in one episode, but uh, twenty points in thirty games as as a nineteen year old rookie, I'll definitely call that a success. Again, not sure if that's you know a surprise or not per se, but um, definitely performing well there. I think on, on the flip side, you know, Zach, uh, Zach Smith and Bobby Ryan, uh, I think being slotted into third line roles speaks to, to some concerns there about their long term development. Uh, Smith, obviously, uh, early in the season was put on waivers. Uh, they never actually went through with with really moving him down there long term, but he's pointless in his last nine games uh, and struggling to produce, uh, you know, anything out. Really, it's been mostly Duchesne or bust for a lot of the season. And, and I expect that to kind of continue the rest of the way. In Philadelphia, they're three, four and one in their last eight games since the last time we spoke. Yori Laterra, this guy sat out by the coach. Nolan Patrick out with an upper body injury. Those are two big disappointments among the forward ranks. I guess you're smiling like a Cheshire cat about the Nolan Patrick call, though, AJ. So kudos to you for sticking with that one and maybe being a leg up on our buddy, buddy Mr. Negrano there in Las Vegas. Carter Hart... Uh, in goal provided a bit of a spark in the nets with a win in his first two starts but now has has lost his last three including getting pulled early in his last start uh, i wonder if it's a mistake to put him into this situation with such uncertainty on the back end uh, the defense here has really let them down and that was another part of this this team that i was supposed to be kind of the signature pieces because they uh, they uh, had been touting this young core as something special, but they really haven't delivered as a group. So that's a bit of a collective smack on the face to, to that uh, group uh, at the back end. I also think that uh, Patrick, JVR, and Simmons, uh, they've, they've kind of underperformed because they've been, been improperly used or been dealing with injuries. That's also a big problem here. So uh, it's a, any one, is it any wonder that the Flyers are where they are in the standings right now? 
Yeah, not really. And and you mentioned the the D group. I'll I'll highlight Shane Gosses Bear as as kind of the key uh, linchpin here. You know, we saw uh, last season there were a lot of questions raised when he got scratched for a few games and. You know whether or not that was the right call or not. Well, he's got just 16 points in in 39 games. Definitely does not look like he's going to hit last year's 65. Uh, may even struggle to to hit 39, which is kind of his his lowest uh, since becoming a full time uh, NHL pro. Uh, and so, really, I think he highlights the struggles there. But you know, Ivan Provorov can fall into that category as well. Uh, Travis Sanheim, they, they're really just not getting a ton of production out of those guys. And, and that that only begins to start start the problems uh, that that the netminders are seeing in front of them. Well, and we come to your club now and things are really working out right, uh, very well. Six game win streak in the books right now. And the only downer that I can find is the Casey Smith's owner, ownership is down 5%. I suspect that has a lot more to do with Matt Murray and the current run that he's on, allowing only seven goals against in his last five games played. So he looks like he has full control of the net situation again. And they need this trend to continue here because uh, uh, he's so important to the team and that structure. But I want to spend some time talking about Chris Letang. We haven't spoken about this guy near enough uh, for my liking. And uh, he, he doesn't get enough credit for the way he's come back to prominence uh, following some serious health issues in the past. Uh, having another stellar year and being the linchpin on the defense here, that's really a key element to the Pittsburgh's success that doesn't get talked about. It's been a lot of talk about Malkin and Crosby. And speaking of Malkin, has he booked his spring break yet, AJ? <laughs> yeah, it should come right around the All-Star uh, when they get their, their bye week. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, that one's already booked and ready to go. He he wasn't selected uh, to to the All Star game, and uh, in favor of you know Sid the Kid, and then uh, Chris Letang is their nomination for for that last man category. So so Gino gets some time off. That's that's uh, intentionally built in. So I've got no complaints there. Uh, you may be sending me some money here uh, on that one, as Crosby and Malkin are, are teaming up well. You know, the one guy that I'll kind of highlight as, as being disappointing is is Derek Broussard. Uh, just 12 points on the year uh, in 31 games. And really, uh, I think there are a lot higher expectations for him. Now, the obvious factor being, you know, any center for the Penguins uh, that they bring in is at best going to be third line or is going to have to move to the wing. Uh, and really, you know, Dominic Simone has, has kind of hit his stride with Malkin lately. Russ is playing great with Crosby. Uh, and so really there's not even a good wing option uh, to move him to. So he's kind of stuck in that third line center role. So I do think that is part of why he has struggled uh, but he is still playing with Phil Kessel and you'd think he'd be able to find the occasional point uh, from time to time. In San Jose, this team is 3-2-2, two, and two, and I want to highlight a few of the youngsters here. After an impressive 14-game stint with five points, Radim Simek was a victim of marginal upper body hit and is now sidelined. That's too bad, but uh, the Sharks, this is another instance of them continuing to retool but remaining a contending team. You point to Timo Meyer and and uh, Thomas Hurdle. They're now entrenched as key players in the offensive core. They were inserted in this team in a seamless attempt to stay among the top part of the league. We can also add, looks like, Lucas Radl to the list. He scored another goal last night to continue his recent outstanding play. This is a 25-year-old NHL rookie playing some left-wing minutes on the top line, and he now has eight points in his 14 games played. 
And uh, speaking of players that are starting to deliver the goods here, Eric Carlson, suddenly ha you can point to him having 17 points in 13 December games. That's more like what we expected from him. He's now among the top-scoring defensemen in the league. On the downside, I have to look in the nets to look at Marty Jones. Behind all this talent and skill, this guy somehow has posted a save percentage less than 90%, which is not good at all, and the goals against is higher than it needs to be. They'd like to get his game to a higher level to match what the rest of the team is starting to do here. Yeah, I really think you you kind of hit uh, everything uh, perfectly with this club. You've got Brent Burns and Eric Carlson doing their jobs and producing. You've got, you know, three really good uh, scoring lines here. You know, you mentioned Hurdle. He's playing center alongside Evander Kane, who's who's rolling. Uh, you've got Couture up with Meyer, Jumbo Joe with Joe Pavelski on that second line. And, and really, uh, it's, it's a hard club to match up against. I mean, uh, who are you going to put out against? Are you going to put your third line out against Evander Kane in that third line? I mean, that's obviously uh, going to happen from time to time, and, and the Sharks have been able to take advantage. So really, if they can shore up that goaltending, as, as you mentioned, uh, I think it'll get better. They're, I, I'm not suggesting they're going to make a move away from Marty Jones. I think they just need to figure out how to get him back on his game. And you might say the same thing applies in St. Louis when it doesn't help that Jake Allen's not very playing very well for them another veteran goalie who who needs to solidify things in order for this team to take a run at a playoff spot right now they're on the outside looking in and it looks like they can point to a lot of different things certainly Alex Pietrangelo's absence has been a bit of an issue he's back in the lineup now but you wonder for how long this guy's been the subject of trade speculation even when he was sidelined with injury the biggest disappointment here, though, is very easy to identify. When you consider Vladimir Tarasenko, you expect him to be among the top scorers in the league. This guy's got only 22 points in 37 games, playing well below what his pay rate is and uh, for his skill level, I'll say, as well. On the other hand, Ryan O'Reilly, I don't think, gets enough credit for what he's done, scoring at almost a point-per-game pace and really filling the number one center role in a very, very good way. Uh, uh, Braden Shen is finally healthy, so their depth at center could stabilize things a little bit with uh, Bozak going, dropping down to the third spot where I think he's be, be more success, successful. So that's a pretty good uh, strength down the middle here. And really, uh, Allen gets his game get together and uh, Pietrangelo starts to play at the level that he is. I think this could be another team, like I said, Los Angeles. Teams that are on the outside looking in, but could be tough outs the rest of the way. Well, I think you're absolutely right when it comes to Vladimir Tarasenko. I mean, he's supposed to be uh, their signature producing guy. I mean, they're, they're kind of headlining guy. Uh, you mentioned just the, the 22 points in 37 games. Well, he's also got a minus 15 rating over that stretch uh, and really just not getting it done in, in most aspects of the game right now and uh, needs to figure something out. Uh, David Perron, you know, coming back, I, you I think 25 points in 36 games at this point in his career is totally fine uh, and expect him to hit, you know, close to that 50 mark. Uh, and so I would call that kind of a pleasant surprise. Patrick Maroon, another guy I'd actually put on the other side there, 11 points uh, in his 31 games after coming over from New Jersey slash Edmonton last season. Uh, and really, I think there was high expectations for him to slot in to a top six role here and, and really kind of take uh, ownership of this club. And, and, and that really hasn't happened. 
In Tampa, let me just start by saying this team sits at a 31-7-2 record. They're six straight wins. They're threatening the Montreal Canadiens' all-time single-season points record for a club. They were undefeated in the month of December, going 13-0-1. Outstanding. And it's been hard to find negatives here, but we'll, we'll give it a shot when we go through this team. Nikita Kucherov is the NHL scoring leader. But at this point, uh, Braden Point rather, and uh, Steven Stamkos are the guys that are going to split the Hart Trophy vote here. So that's quite a luxury up front. All the scorers are scoring. And then on the blue line, if you want to t- knock on Victor Hedman, his offense hasn't been up to what we've expected from him in the past. But boy, is he stabling, stabilizing thing on the back end. Uh, that's really nitpicky by me. But if you're an owner for for him of him in fantasy you want to see him scoring more they also can't hide can hide the fact that Mikhail Sergachev has regressed as a scoring defenseman uh, the second year player uh, no goals only 13 assists in 38 games but boy they can certainly hide that the way the rest of the club is going yeah 100% I mean obviously Andre Vasilevsky uh, hasn't lost in regulation since since returning from uh, his injury stint 6-0-1 uh, the goals against average is a little high for me, uh, 3.11. Uh, but as you mentioned, everybody seems to be scoring on the front end. And so uh, they've bailed them out from a couple of bad performances there uh, and really are, are getting the job done. It's it's hard to argue or find, you know, a lot that's really wrong with a team that's pretty much uh, at this point looks like it might walk away with the president's trophy. In, in Toronto, I'm going to alert the Maple Leaf management. I'm bringing my daughter to the game today, and uh, she is a she has been a rep goalie in her career, much of her career. So <laughs> she'll be strapping the pads on her back just in case they need help because the top two guys are out of the lineup right now. Garrett Sparks and Freddie Anderson both sidelined, and uh, not sure whether I, when either of them will return because Sparks is dealing in, in concussion protocol, and Freddie Anderson has a lower body injury it seems so they're going to turn to Michael Hutchinson a guy that they picked up recently uh, in a trade and he'll be in in between the pipes this afternoon against Minnesota Uh, that's the latest update that I have here but in terms of uh, the downers on this team it's easy Willie Nylander continues to struggle and disappoint basically almost scoreless for sure only two assists to show since he signed that big dollar contract I'm wondering whether the recent haircut that he got will change his luck because he's looking for something to spark him, and he went to the barber to see if that might work. Uh, Zach Hyman is also nearing a return. This guy's been a positive influence, and they could certainly use his size and toughness up front. They've been pushed around a little bit of late. On the plus side, though, how has uh, Tavares enjoyed playing here? Well, partner, he's never scored more than 40 goals in a season, but he's on pace for 56 this season. So he was recently added to the all-star list, and you could have picked a couple other guys here too. Plenty of good news uh, here uh, on on the plus side here. Uh, But it's for me, looking forward, it's who they add and how they sign Matthews and Marner that are going to remain sidebar stories related to their cap situation. So there's plenty of intrigue on and off the ice, as there always is in Toronto. Yeah, there was a great article earlier today over on uh, The Athletic about uh, the cap situation for the Maple Leafs and talking about the fact that uh, because they're trying to, you know, they have injuries and they're trying to do so much with it uh, that uh, Trevor Moore is basically just being uh, paper shipped back and forth between between levels in order to save them as much uh, cap money as, as humanly possible there. Uh, and that's only going to get a little bit trickier as, as they head into those those big contracts for those guys. I think 
on the plus side for this team, uh, I like what Andreas Johnson has been able to bring to the table in that second line role. Now he's been a little streaky, uh, which is probably a concern for season long owners. Uh, but if you're a daily player, uh, you just got to pick and choose your spots and, and when you use them. And I think he can really help you out there playing uh, with Matthews. I think Patrick Marlowe on ice has been uh, a little bit of a disappointment, you know, for what they were hoping out of him, but he should still get to the 40, uh, 40 point mark. But obviously for me uh, and how I see the team, at least as, as a casual observer, I, I think Patrick Marlowe's contributions in the locker room and off the ice uh, make him still worth uh, that price tag. And I think a lot of that outweighs, uh, you know, what they might be getting from him on the ice. And we can also mention, I think I repeat, mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but they will have paid his bonus money out to the point where he will only have like one and a half million dollars of real money owed at the end of this season. So he could be trade bait. He has a no trade contract in, in his situation. But uh, I think if they went to whisper in his ear and say, you know, we can give you back to San Jose and you can go home, he might be enticed to go that way. And that could really open up their cap situation quite a bit in the, as we head into the offseason and look that way for a moment. In Vancouver, boy, what can you say about the kid, uh, Elias Patterson? Another another three-goal effort last night, and I think you can certainly start etching his name into the Calder Trophy Award as the top rookie in the league. He's been outstanding, and I think he can get some MVP votes, too. If he drags this team into the playoffs, nobody, but nobody, thought this team could be there. They're certainly on the outside looking in right now, and 19-19-4 uh, and four is the record. But uh, they have an outside chance, and uh, this guy's the central reason why. The ownership of Edler and Markstrom is up among the leaders over the past week or so, and uh, that's because Markstrom, particularly, best save percentage in the NHL over the past month at 94 and a quarter. And uh, they acquired McKenna from Ottawa to back him up now, but it's really his job to lose. They're going to ride this guy hard the rest of the way as long as they have a shot, but don't sleep on Alex Edler. I've been a big fan of his. His ownership is finally starting to pick up. I guess more people are starting to listen to me on this show and, and realize that this guy's one of the better power play quarterbacks around still, and with the young guns around him, that's a prolific looking power play. And uh, while other on the downside, while some of the young guns here have developed very quickly, I'm a little bit alarmed at the fact that Jake Vertanen uh, has not done so as well. Uh, he is not uh, even among the top six forwards right now, and so I think he earns a, he's a lock for my disappointment of the season in Vancouver. I'll say that. Well, you mentioned the Calder Trophy, and, and I, another kind of I know you're the stats man, but I want to point out kind of an interesting one I, I just found here. Uh, you look at the top three. Uh, guys in points uh, that are rookie eligible so you know there's some guys that played a few games of the year before but they're still technically considered rookies uh, Elias Patterson 42 points uh, that's three short of the combined total of Colin White and Brady to Chuck who are the two guys behind him so yeah I think they can go ahead and get his name put on that trophy right now uh, even if he misses some time later in the season you know due to injury or something like that I think he's still going to be well ahead of these other guys uh, and then as far as uh, a disappointment here uh, I think it's Louis Erickson for me 
16 points in 43 games, still getting uh, those top six assignments, but really not putting it together. He's got just uh, one goal in his last eight games uh, and is struggling there as well. Less than two shots on goal per game during that stretch, which is always a concern, something we highlight all the time about guys not putting uh, pucks to the net. And so for me, Louis Erickson, the big disappointment here. In Las Vegas, suddenly this team is unbeaten in their last seven in regulation time. They're 5-1-2 and two over their last eight since we last spoke about them. And uh, plenty of good news here. Nate Smith is among the most added players in the league. The defender has 14 points and a plus 11 in his 23 games played to date. While many are focused on uh, up front, while many are focused on Stastny, well, who is playing well after missing two months of action, and Pacioretty, who's close to a return again. It's Brandon Peary that I want to highlight here. His fantasy ownership has gone up 14% in the past week, and uh, he made headlines with nine points and a plus eight in his first seven games of the season and is listed as left-wing number two here. So plenty of good news here. I'll leave it to you to try and find something negative, but uh, it's hard to do so when the team's firing so well. Yeah, you're definitely uh, giving me a tall task there to try and figure that out. You know, one uh, an interesting tidbit about Peary, Peary, he was just named the AHL uh, Player of the Month uh, for, for last month based on what he did before getting called up. Uh, so he's having a, a real good December and, and seems to be carrying that uh, into January as well here. Uh, as far as kind of down uh, options here, Thomas Nosek, I kind of had him slated as a potential top six option uh, to maybe get that that Brandon Peary spot to play with Statsny and Tuke, and and that really hasn't worked out for him uh, so far. Nine points uh, in his uh, 38 games this season has been uh, scratched a couple of times as well, Uh, and so that's my down. The up, I mean, come on. Our listeners know who my upside guy is. That's Marc-Andre Fleury. 23 wins, which leads the NHL. Six shutouts, also leading the NHL. Uh, This guy's been basically unbeatable of late and really uh, has performed well. And, you know, other than the game against L.A., in which he faced just 17 shots, his previous four contests, he faced uh, 30 or more in each of those. And so uh, it's not that he's necessarily seeing a, a really low workload and making the important stops when he sees them. He's been under fire on a couple of occasions here and has really managed uh, to keep the team in there. And, and if not get a, a win, at least walk away with a point uh, for his club. Hasn't lost in regulation in his last 10 games. Uh, 7-0-3 in that stretch and and really doing everything to get uh, the Golden Knights back into uh, contention to make another deep run. And look at the defending champs, AJ. Are you a little concerned that this team looks like it's really rolling too? They're 4-2 in their last six games, but the record has been an outstanding one much of the season and looks like they're getting serious uh, about uh, another run of the playoffs. Matt Niskanen is out, though, with an undisclosed injury. You hope it's not too serious. They're calling it day-to-day right now. Up front, one of the positive developments continues to be the fact they boast a pretty potent one-two punch at center with Kuznetsov and Backstrom, both better than a point per game. And there's no other team in the league that can say that other than maybe the Leafs, I suppose, and, and the Penguins. So that's pretty small, pretty rare company, and the Caps are riding that. But the most positive development cl- clearly for me is Tom Wilson's continued emergence as a top-line player, uh, but 
this guy brings a lot more than than scoring to the table. That's just the latest piece that he's added. He's one of the most feared players in terms of physicality and toughness around the league. But now he's scoring at a point per game as well through 19 games played. So he's a must own in terms of fantasy hockey because he offers so much in so many different categories. Uh, it's a great story there. On the downside, if you're looking for thing, disappointments, I think you focus on guys like Christian Jews on defense and Andre Burakowski up front. They're both not contributing much at all and have actually regressed from where they were in prior years. So it'd be nice for them to join the party here in Washington. Absolutely. And another forward uh, in kind of that same boat has got to be TJ Oshie. Uh, you know, 16 points uh, in 26 games. Uh, that's not bad for a lot of players, but for a guy of Oshie's caliber uh, who, you know, sees top six minutes, ton of power play ice time as well, uh, averaging nearly three and a half minutes per game with the man advantage. Uh, it's, it's just not that, you know, that good for what for what he's expected to do uh, playing with a guy like Backstrom. Uh, you know, him and Wilson have flipped occasionally where Oshie's playing along with Ovechkin and, and still it just hasn't come together exactly as you would expect a, a player of his level. I'll, I'll talk, uh, you know, in the nets in terms of, of the plus side, it's, it's not a surprise, but brain Hopi, uh, 15, nine and two with a pair of shutouts, his goals against average, uh, 2.84 is, is better than last season. Uh, when they did walk away, uh, with the Stanley cup at the end of the year, I think he's on track to probably play closer. I think he'll get back over 60 this season. Last year when they had Grubauer, they kept him closer, uh, into the, the mid fifties there, but I think you'll see him kind of slide back up to that 60 games played Mark, uh, which will obviously bring up questions heading into the postseason. You know, he plays kind of his lowest game total, uh, in four years. And that happens to be the time they win the cup. So if that gets back over 60, I think you're going to have some concerned fans there. Well, and in Winnipeg, we winded up, uh, wind up our look with the fact that Brian Little's made a bit of a monkey out of me. I thought that this guy would be ill-advised Ill- Ill- as a second-line center, but he's holding his own. The point total is not really where you'd like it to be, but the wingers that he have continue to thrive, so some of that has to reflect on him. And uh, certainly, uh, you've got to point to the wingers and say that they got a four-pack that you can say is the equal of any in the league on the top two lines, and that's credit to the lesser lights there in Ehlers uh, uh, and company on the left side uh, that have kind of held their own Ehlers and Connor are the two guys I wanted to highlight there AJ and uh, they join Wheeler and Line who are the more notorious guys on the right flank they're a little bit concerned now about the defensive situation with Dustin Bufflin on the IR looks like a fairly serious injury and so they really need one of Tyler Myers or Jacob Truba to step up neither one of them been an offensive dynamo I think they both qualify as disappointments in my uh, eyes, particularly Truba, uh, season to date, but they have an opportunity to change that the rest of the way, and they need somebody to step up in Bufflin's absence. Connor Hellebuck is another guy that kind of has been a disappointment for much of the season, underperforming w- the situation that he's been in, but he is still uh, maybe turning things around now of late. He had among the peer tops in uh, the goalie category with 92% save percentage in the month of December, by far his best month of the season, and hopefully they get continued uh, growth in that direction from their netminder. Yeah, I do have some concerns about Kyle Connor of late, and, and it's you know nine, uh, nine games without a point, 
minus six over that stretch. You know, he's still averaging almost 20, uh, just over 19 minutes a game, uh, during that run and in nearly three minutes on the power play and still just hasn't been able, uh, to put anything into the, into the back of the net or, or even find the stick of a teammate. And so, uh, there are some concerns there. And, and I do think, um, if he continues to struggle, they may opt to take a look in a, in a different direction and, and, you know, maybe not long term, but maybe just uh, for a couple of games, kind of just to flip things up. You know, maybe they flip him in Ehlers to to maybe see if getting Connor going with Shifley and, and Wheeler can be something that'll help them. So uh, some minor concerns there, but overall, I don't think it's anything to to be uh, concerned about in terms of long term. And and I kind of agree with your assessment on on Hellybuck as well. Uh, it, consistency has been his struggle in past seasons. It wasn't last year, um, but that seems to have come back this year as well, where, you know, it's, it's one uh, really great game followed by uh, a pretty disappointing outing and and back and forth all year. So uh, we'll see if he can kind of get some, some level of even play going for an extended run at some point. All right. Well, we've hopefully given our listeners some food for thought there in terms of the successes and the, the disappointments so far this season. But now it's turn, time to turn our attention to FanDuel. Uh, I've had a lot of fun playing this uh, FanDuel stuff all season long and certainly enjoy playing baseball and football and basketball all year round. So there's some good fun to be had on this uh, website and in this platform. Over two and a half million players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel, and you and I are among that list, AJ. To take advantage of our special offer for new users, we invite you to sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RW. The contests, of course, are void where prohibited. We have a nine-game slate, an eight-game slate on the NHL. The early game is going to be discounted. That leaves us with seven tilts. I already said I'm going to be at the Minnesota-Toronto game, but when I come home, I'm looking forward to seeing Vancouver and Montreal to see if the Elias Patterson-Brock Pesser show uh, continues to perform as it has been of late. But there are a couple other tasty matchups here too, AJ. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think uh, you know uh, you mentioned uh, Vancouver-Montreal. Tampa Bay, uh, see, you know, how many points they can put up on Los Angeles. Uh, although the Kings have been playing better later lately. So that could be a tough game there. Um, Calgary, Boston could be intriguing. Calgary, uh, has definitely overperformed this season. And so uh, a good opportunity there, uh, for them as well. All right, my friend, it's time to put our money where our mouths are. First, we're going to take a look at the Rotowire optimizer. What do they have in store for us? Yeah. So taking a look there, um, you know, some, some kind of, uh, you know, not a lot of stacks, uh, this time around every once in a while, you'll pull up the optimizer and you'll see uh, a big full stack of, of players, but a little more spread out starts with Ryan O'Reilly with St. Louis 6,100. So pretty discounted uh, value. There goes with Casey Middlestad, uh, for Buffalo as the other at 3,600. Now, Third line role for him, it looks like, with Eichel out, but second power play. Uh, so that low price tag is is definitely uh, intriguing there. With wingers, it's got Alexander Ovechkin going up against St. Louis, 8,700. Brock Besser for Vancouver at 64. And then uh, JVR for the Flyers, 5,200. And then Jason Zucker, uh, who's going to get a look, it seems like, with Minnesota's top group uh, at 4,500. Again, a top line assignment uh, second power play for 4,500 is, is not a bad go defensively, uh, goes, uh, Washington's, uh, John Carlson at 63 and Alex Peter Angelo, uh, at 49. I think both those guys are, are great value options there or not value, but great picks there. 
uh, for their roles. Petrangelo does come up uh, definitely as a value at 4,900. And then in goal, Andre Vasilevsky, optimizer, paying up big at the 9,300 for the most expensive guy tonight. But it's hard to ignore uh, that matchup, uh, which, you know, you've got the the lightning favored uh, minus 190, which is the, the most lopsided tilt tonight. Yeah, and I'll, I haven't shown you my lineup yet. I'm kind of curious to see if there's any overlap, but I've got a couple of guys from this optimizer list. I kind of like the lineup that it spits out, and I took two of them into my group, which looks like this, AJ. Uh, I have started off with Braden Point at center. I already highlighted the fact that this guy uh, has been one of the surprise performers to the extent that he's one of the leading scorers in hockey right now. And uh, I get him for $7,900, and I pair him with another guy who's firing on all cylinders of late. I highlighted Matthew Barzal in our Islanders look today. And I also spoke about a couple of the wingers here. Jeff Skinner, uh, $7,100 is his price tag. He's getting a ton of shots on goal, and I bet a couple go in today against Florida. As many as two or three could go in the way he's firing right now, and that line is, is looking. Uh, Brock Besser, another guy who's shooting the lights out, uh, getting a lot of action for for Vancouver against Montreal. $6,400 is his price tag, so I like the look of the first two wingers there, and I plugged in Tom Wilson and TJ Oshie for Washington. I think it could be a lopsided affair against St. Louis, and I think Oshie's overdue, and Wilson just continues to do what he's doing, so I'm pretty pumped about the offensive mix that I have, and uh, while you were a little bit down on Rasmus Dahlin, you did highlight the fact he's playing better. I get him for only $4,400. Sign me up against a, a troubled Florida back end there in terms of suspect defensive structure and I'll partner him with an underrated TJ Brody who's back to playing top top pairing minutes in Calgary I think this could be a high scoring affair with the way the the flames are going and you get Brody in the lineup for only $3,800 I went to uh, the win probability situation here thinking the Islanders have done very well and that's why I take their starting goalie Thomas Grice against the visiting Chicago Blackhawks who are certainly not the Blackhawks from their recent uh, Stanley Cup runs so that's the way my lineup looks curious to see what you did partner yeah so uh paul i'll give you a while i run mine through i'll give you a chance to see uh if you want to change that goaltender because it looks like Lerner is actually going to get the nod tonight uh over grice so um but for my lineup i'm gonna go uh basically i'm gonna stack uh two two lines here tonight so i'm gonna go uh sebastian ajo's line for carolina i love the matchup against the flyers uh who have really struggled late and you can get that whole line for a pretty discounted rate you get ajo at 64 tivo teravainen for 53 and then brock mcginn for 32 uh, as your really cheap option there uh, and then I'm going to go back to uh, to Tampa one. I, I like that matchup. Again, we talked about it being uh, kind of the big one sided contest. Uh, the over under on that is high as well. So I'll go Stamkos at 82 and then you can get some discount on his wingers and Killhorn at 49 and Palat at 47. Uh, so basically just going to ride those two lines tonight with good matchups, uh, pretty discounted costs. And so I saved a good chunk of money. So I went with some of the more expensive uh you know two of the four most expensive uh blue line options john carlson at 63 and then mark giordano at 6000 uh ideally i kind of wanted to use victor hedman but i ran up against uh you know the the cost there because i am going to use andre vasileski in goal at 9300 so i couldn't fit all you know you can only use four guys from one team so obviously i couldn't use hedman tonight so uh that's how i went uh with mine 
uh, it's a pretty stack heavy. So boom or bust on that one, obviously. But uh, I think it'll hit pay dirt tonight. And uh, the late breaking development in, on the island, you did highlight the fact that Leonard looks like he's the presumptive starter when, when I put my list of names together it was just before the show started so it's incumbent on people to just keep an eye on on the roster lineups that we've spit out and the information we provide at headquarters and that's where you are so thanks for sharing that Henry Leonard is my goalie now and that afforded me a lot of extra money so I've decided to switch up my defense and I put Ryan Pullock in there in place of the uh, TJ uh, T.J. Brody situation, paying up for Pullock. I mentioned he's one of the better scoring players on the Islanders' blue line core of late, and their go-to guy in power play situations. I get, I think they got a pretty good matchup against the visiting Blackhawks, so I've got a bit of an Islanders stack in my roster with a goalie defenseman and a winger there. A.J., uh, it's good to be back in the saddle. We're, we look forward to the signature part of the program, though, and uh, one of the things I was chomping at the bit to talk about was a couple of issues here on the rant of the week, but we'll start with the stud of the week. And at the halfway point, it looks like Nikita Kucherov leads all scorers over the last two weeks with 15 points in five games to vault him to the top of the league standings in terms of scoring right now. I spoke about some of his high-flying teammates, but he's right there with him, to make no mistake. This guy's so uber-skilled and can do many things at top speed that only a few other players can do, yet there's not a lot of uh, storytelling about him uh, around the league, even in Tampa's situation, because they've just got so many stars here. But he, he, he'll cost big bucks every time out in FanDuel, and yet he doesn't get too many mentions among the top players in the league. Uh, I'm surprised uh, that he leads the league by three points and has 13 points more than point and 22 points more than Stamkos, yet those guys get as much ink as he does. Yeah, I, I think you had a great pick there uh, in terms of, of on on ice uh, kind of stud of the week, uh, really doing everything uh, that he can. I'm going to do a, a slightly off ice uh, follow up stud of the week. Uh, saw this story just this morning. It's been all over kind of the hockey news. So our listeners, I'm sure, will probably have seen it by the time they hear the show. Uh, but Sidney Crosby was uh, in the penalty box last night and had a guy. Uh, just chirping him uh, really hard. Well, after the game, Sid sends over a stick that says, good chirps, take it easy on me next time, signed by Sidney Crosby. And I thought that was just a great little uh, story to share out there, you know, appreciating, uh, you know, somebody else's fandom, uh, you know, going full bore against him and, and sending that over, I think was a really kind of class move uh, by Sid the Kid there. Well, I echo that sentiment. That's kind of a fun one. Uh, there's been a couple of incidents between fans and players this season, but that's by far the most po- one of the more positive ones that could have been uh, saving an ugly situation from possibly getting worse there. So kudos to Sid the Kid in that regard. In terms of the rant of the week, I did come up with a couple there too, and we have to talk about the off-ice situation that uh, g- made things pretty ugly in Dallas with their CEO, Jim Lights, publicly ripping their top two players in Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn. That's a no-no, folks. You can't sell that to your fan base. Both these guys are signed for the next six years with cap hits over $9 million. I don't think they're going anywhere too far too fast. And, uh, you know, really, they have a job to do in Dallas, and that's sell this team. And uh, they're a team that struggles to make the playoffs year after year, it (coughs) seems. And uh, the CEO is not doing his club any favors in the PR department right now. I I agree. I I didn't love the decision, but I will say uh, he's probably not voicing anything that fans themselves have said uh, of those two guys, recent production and and on ice, uh, you know, abilities of late. And so 
Uh, yeah, it's, it's not necessarily an approach I would have would have wanted out of ownership. I think what struck me the most was the fact that, uh, this wasn't like a follow-up to conversations that had already happened. Uh, and he felt like, well, talking to them in person didn't work. So I'm going to try this other, other Avenue. It sounds like there hadn't been any interaction, uh, between him and those two stars, uh, for the team. And so that was kind of my biggest concern, uh, there is that it seemed like, well, uh, you know, I'm not going to take this extra step here. I'm just going to go directly to the media. But I do think there's probably a lot of fans down in Dallas uh, that probably have voiced similar complaints over over the years. And, and so uh, I, I can understand it to, to that extent. And part B of my rant, uh, I picked another on ice kind of a situation with off ice uh, implications. Alexander Ovechkin skipping out on the NHL's all-star game. The Caps have a bye week after the break, so he has set himself up for basically almost a two-week vacation here. And that's good for him. But this guy was voted a league captain among the NHL All-Stars, and uh, and he remains a signature face of, of the league here. Sure, he wants to recuperate, but the All-Star game is the NHL's mid-season showcase, and the Stars should come out here, particularly uh, in a year where this guy is part of the defending champs, and he's going to a city where they only see him once a year. And uh, really, he's getting paid very handsomely, does endorsements, and yet... He sees, a, sees an opening to, to skip out on the All-Star game. I think it's a bad PR decision and uh, one that kind of downplays and downgrades the whole All-Star environment. And uh, uh, my take is that the Stars need to come out. Part of the reason they get paid so well is because they have to represent the league wherever and whenever they can. And this is one of the biggest stages of the season, and he's not going to be there. I don't like it. Yeah, so I, I agree with your um, your take on that, that, that I would prefer to see these guys there. I think it's an extra kind of kicker that he was voted uh, as the, the Metropolitan captain and, and then decided not to go. Um, but I will say I kind of like the fact that the league has the one-game suspension rule uh, so that the team and the player can make the decision on what's best overall for the club. And so is having him miss a game what's best for Washington long-term. It obviously seems to be that way in the, in the clubs and the players position. So uh, while I would prefer to see him there, um, I do think that, you know, that's, that's an important decision to make. And, you know, it'll be one where if if they struggle coming out of the break, everybody's going to be on him. If they go on to win the Stanley Cup again, it's going to look like a genius move that kept their star winger uh, fresh for the postseason. So we'll have to see kind of how it plays out. Well, AJ, we went kind of long in this episode, but we hadn't been on the air for a while. So we're kind of making up for that absence. And we'll be remind our listeners we'll be back in our usual Tuesday time slot next week. Uh, to take a look around the league as we normally do on podcasts. So that'll wrap it up for another episode. First one of 2019. Happy New Year once again to one and all. Please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. And you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. As always, we invite you to listen to podcast to get your our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody.